0: Being angry without sinning. Next on Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard. When is anger not sin? And how can we tell the difference? Well, that's what we're answering today here on Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Now, we're not out to give you license to sin in your anger, but we are to clarify and understand what anger is. Righteous anger, that. That's the subject of our time today in Ephesians 4. Won't you join us? Here now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard.
1: Six, anger that grieves the spirit and quenches the joy of the Christian life. You know why there's so many joyless Christians? They're angry. They've replaced joy with anger. And uh, the church is full of it. And And the society, for sure. Examples of righteous anger. By the way, why is it every time you're angry, you call it righteous anger? When someone's angry at you, they're out of control. Most of our claims to righteous anger is uh, egotistic, uh, didn't get our way. There's very little righteous anger that most of us get involved in, but we should hate prejudice. We should hate racism. Uh, We should hate the neglect of the poor. We should hate injustice. We should hate evil. And those emotions are fine, but you just monitor your own life. When you're angry, uh, it's usually not the cause of Christ at stake, it's some privilege or some way in you that was violated. And so, watch the claim to righteous anger. But God expresses anger without sin and it's all over. If you got a concordance out and looked up anger, uh, there are references after references of God's anger. I just gave you a few. Jesus Christ was angry when He cleansed the temple. He said, my Father's house ought to be a place where you pray, not where you sell merchandise. And uh, he was angry. He was angry in Mark 3 because there was so much unbelief. They wouldn't believe in him. They didn't believe his miracles. So he showed anger, but he didn't sin. Moses was angry with Pharaoh in Exodus 11. And he gets angry when he comes down from the Mount and uh, the people have built a golden calf. And I noticed as I read the narrative again, you know what's interesting? You remember when he came down and you heard the music and all the uh, going on, He got angry, and what did he do with the tablets? He threw them down. Now, he didn't sin, but here's what God told him to do two chapters later. Now, you go chisel out the other stones. Have you ever tried to chisel out some granite? Now, this time, last time I cut them out for you. (laughs) This time, you cut them out, okay? I'll ride in them, boom, nothing to it. I wonder how long it took Moses to cut out the new set of tablets. You see, he even paid for his anger without it being sin. It does cost you. Be careful. You'll spend all your life chiseling out a new set of tablets. Watch it. And of course, later on, he blew it. Now, let's look at the boundaries. Let's look at the text. I think they're rather straightforward, but let us look at them. In your anger, in case you ever get angry is the idea. Um, I wanted to read it to you, but you know, if you could ever look up the New International Version Application Commentary has a great treatment on this. And it's four pages worth and I've got too much to deal with it. But if you want to read it uh, in a good library, buy the commentary on Ephesians, New International Version Application Commentary gives incredible arguments why anger should be avoided at all costs as a way of operating. It should be the exception in your life, not the pattern. So that he's not really saying get angry, but if you do get angry, that's, it's a concession, not an imperative to get angry. If you get angry, in your anger, just put three boundaries on it, three boundaries on righteous anger. You may allow anger in your life if you keep these three boundaries. Number one, don't sin with it. So don't blow up against a person. Don't go in inward and clam up and become resentful and bitter. And, no, and people look at you and we say, man, I never see them get angry. But inside they keep score on every fault people have. And down here, they're always suspicious people or churning. And, and somebody you meet them. How are you? Fine. I have, like, Man. What an amiable person, and then some little thing will happen, and all of a sudden you've got a new person in your hands, and you say, "Is this Jekyll or Hyde?" Well, they're Hyde. They've been hiding all their anger, and they've been looking for a place to take it. Sometimes people love to get angry at other leaders because they won't speak up in their home, so they take it out on other authority figures. They love. They've got to vent it somewhere, and so. Uh, PT, we used to think that stood for pastor teachers. It stands for primary target. And so, okay, okay. And we keep trying to train our men and women to tell it to their mate and uh, tell them of those decent motel rates. Uh, okay, you're permitted to be angry. Anger is to be expressed within biblical boundaries. You can't sin with anger. Anger does not let you violate anything. So don't sin. And I think he's, that's the emphasis of the passage. Sin is usually near when you've got to the point of being to the boil or angry. Now, if you just have a short term, you know, I'm angry about that. That's great. But you know how we do it? It'll a boil, it'll boil, I'm going to do something about this. I'm not going to put up with this. I'm hot. I'm going to do this. Oh, watch out. Whoa, the solution won't be according to the scripture. You're just going to get your way. You don't want to sin. Whatever the word says, follow that boundary. Two, you don't want to hold on to it for long. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. One guy says, well, what do you do when you live in the North Pole and they don't have the sun go down for you? You know, he was, wasn't writing to the North Pole. The idea is bring resolution to the emotion of anger as quick as you can. If you can do it within 24 hours, that would be ideal. Sometimes you're not able to. Uh, We're thinking through how to resolve it. But the idea is make a quick end of it. Don't let it be a mode of operation. Get rid of it quick and hope you didn't do anything while you're angry, that brings great consequences. Then uh, when angry, beware of the devil seeking to defeat you. Do not permit the devil a place in your life. And that's what he's really saying. Don't give the devil a place. And look at the picture. The devil gets in my life when I'm angry. He's got me under this foothold. I mean, come on, you folks that are watching all this new wrestling. You know, he's got you pinned. You're pinned. What's that? You've been immobilized. Uh, You've been defeated. We've got to, you know, it's an amazing, that very hold right there. It's an amazing maneuver. Just get someone's arm behind. It's amazing how you can break an arm and control a person just for that maneuver. He says, watch out. Anger seems to be a favorite feeding frenzy for the devil. And if you've gone to the emotion of anger, he will move in on that emotion and do his satanic work in your life. You're opening up for a intruder in unresolved anger and he'll get a foothold. Now, let me give you a very practical, and I'll assume everybody's married and loving it. And that is a faith statement. I think it hit me a while back that 1 Corinthians 7 says, if you deprive one another of conjugal privileges, sexual relations and marriage, he says, you can get away from each other for spiritual reasons, prayer, With mutual consent. So that we're going to shut down this physical aspect of marriage for a while. But he says, come together quickly, lest what? Satan tempt you. So the physical, the conjugal marital privilege. Don't abuse this getting away for prayer, even a spiritual reason, because your enemy may take advantage of your lack of self-control. That's just what the passage says. And now watch this over here. Now, over here in Ephesians four, anger that is not resolved quickly invites Satan to get a stranglehold, a foothold. And look how this destroys marriages. That you get the devil in your marriage because you're angry, you're you're either a blow-upper or you're resentful. You've gotten bitter towards one another for whatever reasons. And since you haven't dealt with it properly, we get a foothold on your heart and all divorce comes from hardness of heart, not irresolvable differences. Nothing's resolvable when you hate each other. Jesus says divorce comes from hardness of heart, not because she can't cook well and because you don't like the way he does something. It comes when the heart gets hard. For the hardening of the arteries of the heart comes from the emotion of anger that turns to resentment. So I'm over here. I'm shut down. I'm resentful. Now, where it shows up so much in marriage, men are such biological creatures that they can make love in a storm. They can be physical in a storm, especially if they're young. That all that matters is my physical need being met, whether she is bitter or not. But pretty soon she feels like she's being turned into a woman of the street. She's being used, not loved. So the devil gets the foothold. He shuts down the bedroom life that ought to be a place of celebration and joy in the Lord. And because he shut down the heart over unresolved conflict over here. And we'll come in and people come for counseling. Our sex life is shot. Do something about it. Well, right now, <laughs> pull down a chart and tell them where they can buy Viagra. Is that what you want? That's not the problem. Did you guys ever have a love life? Oh, it was wonderful at the beginning. You remember in counseling, you had to slap our hands all the time. Keep your hands off of each other. Now, I mean, there's are stay away. They're staring, he said, what's the problem? Where did it go? And sometimes us men are dumb and stupid voluntarily. Well, she's just frigid. No, she's mad at you. She's not frigid, she's mad. She can't stand you, Bozo (laughs) Junior. She's mad because you ignore her feelings. You won't talk. You read the paper or you run off to something, we can't get to the table to come to conflict resolution. You're just too busy, too busy. She's got to take care of the kids. She's got to take care of this. And then she's got to just turn into this wonderful lover when you want her. How do you, you're destroying her innards. And it's the same for the man with the woman. But I see so much of it in this pattern. The devil has got a foothold in the heart And they'll get a stranglehold in the bedroom and we'll just think it's bedroom. No, it's the heart. It's hard to make love when you're mad at each other. It's hard to be close when there's unresolved anger that's been stored up for who knows how long. Are you with me? So don't let the devil get into your marriage. Now steps for dealing with conflict. Just forget that number one, bad outlining form. We want to just drop that. Avoid handling anger in a destructive way. Let's chart it. You have the initial hurt or the anger situation. These are four wrong responses. Attack the other person or whatever. Run away from it. Uh, Give in to it. I see a lot of people, I want peace at any cost. You're you're right. Uh, I'll just give in. I want peace. And sometimes... That does not resolve anything because they continue to hurt you. Or deny the problem. Oh, oh, we're doing fine. You know, some of you Christians, every time we ask you how you're doing, oh, I'm great. I do not believe you. (laughs) Don't be asking me all the time how I'm doing. You don't wanna know some days. I'm telling the Lord I need help. And you don't have to be doing fine all the time to be a, a, a Christian that loves the Lord. Some days you say, I feel buried. You want to hear that? No, I'm sorry. I'm talking to one of those happy ones. Uh, And these four things will go into holding a grudge so that when you meet nice people here in this church, we could I would guess 25% are carrying grudges. I'm just guessing. I don't know. You're mad at the last church. You're mad in the marriage. You're mad at parents. Uh, you're mad at your kids. The kids are mad at the parents. Uh, You've got something that you've nursed, maybe, that it's a low-grade anger in you all the time. And, you, and you, you hear language among adults like, don't push that button. What button? The one that has TNT written on it. <laughs> oh, oh, don't even, you just say, I'm ready. What, I, I don't know about it. Well, you weren't there, but if you ever, if anyone even touches that again, I'm gonna tell them. Ooh. Well, would you like to be a deacon? <laughs> would you like to be in our junior church program? Get over there, kids, in Jesus' name. Man, it's like meeting the uh, cobras. Recognize and own your own feelings. Don't deny them. That's wrong, that's part of stuffing. Recognize them. You might have to write them down, what they are. I've had to do that. By the way, don't write people when you're angry. I thank God for my wife, Rich, and Hazel. If I'm angry, I want to write a letter, it's so much blaze, so much heat come off the page, and tear up five letters. Do not write when you're angry. Whew. I thank God I've been delivered many a time. Uh, think and pray about what God's word would have you to do or respond in the situation. Would God ever have you choke them? Uh, would God ever have you avoid them I'll just avoid them where's Snyder's not here you know what part of my being ticked off last week at my wife I was in a relationship with a person that I can't stand I still can't stand but i am commanded to love them but I don't like them have you ever met such a person I do not like them If I didn't have a command to love them, I would not waste any visceral energy. Just say, I love you. How can I say it, not be a hypocrite? I don't even say it to them, but I don't like them. And in my plotting how to deal with them, I made this choice, I will avoid them. I woke up in the night and God gave me Romans 12. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And the Lord in the middle of the night, three in the morning says, this person is turning you into another person. You are letting evil put you on the run. You stand in the room, you stand on your own feet and you just say, I'm going to love you even though I don't like you. I'm going to love you even though you're my enemy. I'm going to love you. I make a choice to love you. I have no goosebumps about it. I don't feel all fuzzy about it. I'm just going to be good to you in spite of you. That's what love is. Love your enemies. You don't have to feel all this. Just be good to them. Do good to them. And good overcomes evil. You'll heap coals of fire on their head. And I'm gonna talk to you about what that means right now. It sounds very brutal. We don't have time. Um, What's the cause of the anger? What's getting you angry? This just disarms me so many times. I hate to do this. I just want to be angry, God. And anger is so irrational. I don't want a reason. I just want to be angry. And when I start thinking about it, you mean, is that it? Have you ever done this? Is that it? And i tell you what's terrible about this is when you're parenting, The Bible tells fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And it's the idea that you're out of control and you take it out on your kids. It says, don't do that. You're to be under control. You're to raise a child with enough respect, especially as they're growing up. You know, don't need spanking. You just tell that your anger is not the way you are to raise them. It's unfair leverage. That's why so many teenagers are bitter. Let me tell you why. Uh, In my home, if my dad was angry at me, I had no chance to beat him physically, or he paid the bills, he had the money, he had the authority. What can a child do when a big dad has all the authority, all the power, is always right, has all the control? Where can I take my anger as a teen? I'll tell you where we take it. They take it in stuffing, stuffing. And they say, when I'm 18, when I'm 19, as soon as I can get autonomy enough to get away from this person, I'm going to let them know I hate them. I resent them. I don't like them. But right now I'm under their roof and it might cost me. So I'll stay mad, uncooperative, bitter. And that's why you see so many teenagers, they sulk, they just kind of, As a teenager, you think. You don't know what they're going through in their home where they have no speak-up rights. They're not treated fairly. They're just an object you feed and clothe and you can't wait till they get out. And they know you feel that way. And you wonder why they don't want your God and why they don't want to visit you after they leave the home. They're not welcome. They'll pay you back in time. It's a terrible way to raise a life. Terrible way. Well, uh, evaluate if your anger has a legitimate basis and you not getting your way isn't legitimate. Not always. Confront the issue. When you confront someone about an issue, you've heard share the I feelings. The easiest thing when I'm angry with you is to start accusing you and blaming you for all my emotions and they've taught us in counseling therapy to say, I feel this way without accusing that person. We uh, that person isn't the, they are not to be blamed for your emotion. You chose the emotion and you're choosing the way you're responding. Not saying they're right, but you choose the response. Set limits and fair consequences. And I see this especially in the home. Seek godly counsel. Seek compromise when appropriate. And compromise in some of your uh, language, Uh, compromise is a dirty word because you're always right. When it comes to God's word, it's absolute truth. When it's your opinion, it's not absolute. And listen to what Dave Augsburger said. Compromise is a gift to human relationships. We move forward on the basis of thoughtful, careful consensus and compromise in most decisions in conflict. It calls for at least a partial sacrifice of deeply held views and goals, to reach agreement, working through differences by giving clear messages of I care and I want, which both care and confront is most helpful. This is interpersonal communication at its best. Caring, I want to stay in respectful relationships with you, and I want you to know where I stand and what I'm feeling, needing, valuing, wanting. These are the two arms of genuine relationships. Confrontation with truth, or I'll deal with the issue in truth. Affirmation with love. It's not enough just to go in there, let's tell the truth. We must say, I'm telling you the truth because I love you. I want to affirm. I'm not saying this is the end of the relationship. I'm not giving you an ultimatum to write you off. I'm here to reconcile. I'm here to deal with whatever's blocking the relationship, but also I want you to know I care for you. You're a valuable person. And it's what Colby says, not win or lose, but win-win. We both need to win, right? You don't want to just win over your child. You want them to win too, don't you? You don't want to just win the argument with your husband or wife. You both ought to win. See, in a conflict, it's not who's right, But what is right? Let's not battle each other, let's battle the problem. Sounds nice, because I'm talking theoretically to you, and life is difficult. Well, pass over the issue. Sometimes you'll never be able to settle a difference with someone that's made you angry. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. As you grow in life, you pick your battles much wise, more wisely.
0: Pastor Phil Howard here in our series, God's Design for Life. Getting a clue, an understanding, an idea of just how much God really loves us and the design that he has for your life and mine. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. And as we conclude our time together today, we're mindful of the fact that there might be those of you who would enjoy hearing this program again. As always, we have copies available on CD. Simply call or write to us or stop by our website. You can reach us by phone at 855-833-9864. That's 855 833 9864, or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.org. As you contact us, please bear in mind that we do continue this radio broadcast here on this station through the generous support of Truth For Today sustainers, folks just like you. With your dollars, as you partner with us financially, we'll provide to you, as our way of saying thanks, a quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. It's all available for you as you partner with us financially. For more information, give us a call. Our phone number, once again, is 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.